0: From the American College of Cardiology, this is Dr. Kim Eagle, ACC.org Editor-in-Chief, with this week's Eagle's Eye View. This is your weekly cardiovascular update from ACC.org. I've chosen three articles to talk about today, one dealing with cardiorenal syndrome, one looking at the uh, dietary consumption of cholesterol or eggs and the effect potentially on cardiovascular disease and mortality, and then the last paper a study looking at spontaneous angiographic healing in patients with uh, spontaneous coronary artery dissection. The first article is a scientific statement from the American Heart Association on Cardiorenal Syndrome. And I don't know about you, but I find this whole interaction between the heart and the kidneys during patients' admissions for congestive failure to be challenging at best. This is actually a pretty nice review of what we know and, frankly, what we don't know because there's a lot of this that is not evidence-based. The first thing to say is this is really a spectrum of disorders involving both the heart and the kidneys in which acute or chronic dysfunction in one organ may induce acute or chronic dysfunction in the other. And I think one of my tendencies as a cardiologist is to imagine that the kidney is a completely passive organ in this, and of course it's not. So this represents a confluence of interactions between these two organs across several interfaces. Hemodynamics of the failing heart, response of the kidneys, their arterial flow, their venous congestion, and vice versa. Also the neurohumoral markers and inflammatory signatures that may exist in both organs. This particular statement has a nice description of the epidemiology and the pathogenesis of cardiorenal syndrome in the context of a continuously evolving nature of our understanding over this past decade. The article talks a lot about how hard it is to distinguish true acute kidney injury from functional causes of fluctuations in serum creatinine in the context of particularly aggressive diuresis for acute decompensated heart failure. And obviously, this is going to be critical for our ability to identify and enact goal-directed medical therapies. Obviously, fluid retention and congestion are hallmarks of acute failure, and diuretics are a cornerstone of our management of patients, both with and without cardiorenal syndrome. So we need more data to help us identify what are the factors that contribute to diuretic resistance, and how do we uh, take advantage of that knowledge for better therapy. Biomarkers for both cardiac and kidney injury represent, I think, an important new dimension in the diagnostic algorithm of evaluating heart failure with impaired kidney function. And these biomarkers will offer prognostic information as well that hopefully will define further therapies. One of the big challenges we have is that high quality data for goal-directed medical therapy and chronic cardiorenal syndrome with moderate to severe renal insufficiency are lacking. And so this is a fodder for major research and particularly large clinical trials going forward. Obviously, this is an area where multidisciplinary care is critical Involving both the uh, cardiologist and nephrologist, but also potentially uh, EP when we're thinking about how arrhythmia burden may contribute to a failing situation, whether that's AFib or whether there's a possibility for using BIV pacing, that kind of thing. So I think it's a nice review. I would recommend it to you. It was published this week in circulation Cardiorenal Syndrome. So much to learn about this very vexing problem. Now, let's go to an article that was also published this past week on uh, dietary cholesterol or egg consumption and cardiovascular disease and mortality. I don't know about you, but I get inquiries from my patients both on the portal and also in other forums when articles like this come out. So this was a study which looked at participant data from pooled analysis of six prospective U.S. cohorts, individuals enrolled in cohorts between 1986 and 2006. Self-reported diet data was harmonized using a standardized protocol, and they looked at things like dietary cholesterol in milligrams per day or egg consumption as numbers per day. The analysis tried to identify a hazard ratio and an absolute risk difference over the entire follow-up for incident cardiovascular disease, both fatal and non-fatal, heart disease, stroke, heart failure, cardiovascular deaths, and so forth. The six cohorts had a lot of patients and then almost 30,000. The mean age was about 52. The median follow up was for almost 18 years. And there were about 18% that had cardiovascular events and about 21% all cause death. The uh, authors concluded that every additional 300 milligrams of dietary cholesterol consumed per day did increase the risk of incident cardiovascular disease, a hazard ratio of 1.17, and also all cause mortality a hazard ratio of 1.18. They also believe that an additional half an egg consumed per day was associated with a higher risk of incident CVD but at a much lower the hazard ratio 1.06 and all-cause mortality at 1.08. The associations between egg consumption and incident cardiovascular disease were no longer significant after adjusting for dietary cholesterol consumption. So it's, it's an interesting article that certainly Is well done. Large numbers of subjects followed a long time. Obviously, the limitations of papers like this is its dietary recall. And one of the challenges we've had with egg consumption is often people consume eggs with other things that may be far less healthy for you, like fatty meats, for example. So the important association between dietary cholesterol and incident CVD is true, and I think this article reinforces that for patients who are at lower risk. I personally don't ask for them to drastically curtail egg consumption at the current time, but certainly use reasonableness in the things that you put around your eggs on the plate. The last article I want to talk about is a paper published uh, dealing with spontaneous angiographic healing in spontaneous coronary artery dissection. And this is a paper from the group at Vancouver General Hospital led by Jackie Saw. Who's really been an international leader in helping us define SCAD and how we should think about it? So, this particular study was asking the question in a patient who has SCAD, who doesn't get an intervention, how often does the angiographic appearance suggest healing with a medical approach? And so, the authors identified patients who had SCAD and they followed them for a period of time. They had a repeat cath looking for improvement in stenosis how much residual stenosis was there, and what about flow. There were a total of 156 patients included. The mean age was about 52 years, and as you'd expect, about 90% were women, 83% were Caucasian. They found that 75% of these people had fibromuscular dysplasia, which is an association that is incredibly important. All the patients had an MI. At angiography, type 2 SCAD was most commonly observed in about 70%. And uh, TIMI less than 3-flow was present in about half. The median lesion stenosis was 80%. The median time from first calf to the second head geography was about 150 days. And the residual stenosis improved to an average of 25%. And the amount of patients who had less than TIMI 3-flow dropped to about 5%. Evidence of clear healing had occurred in 86%. And interestingly, of the repeat angiography performed at greater than or equal to 30 days post-SCAD, 95% showed spontaneous angiographic healing. So this is really important. We know that when we intervene on patients who have SCAD, there's a significant chance that actually will make things worse. The vessel may dissect upstream, may just close completely. And so when we can be conservative with interventional therapies, the general tendency has been to say we should be. And this article, I think, provides a significant reassurance that that is the right approach. And remarkably, the healing happens quick. Most of these patients, the lesion heals and improves within about 30 days or so. So I certainly find the whole area of SCAD to be fascinating, and we need a lot more information to understand its causes and and better therapies. So I've covered uh, three articles today. I'm recording this on March 25th. 2019. We talked about uh, cardiorenal syndrome. We talked about uh, cholesterol and egg consumption and cardiovascular outcomes, and finally, spontaneous angiographic healing with SCAD. I want to thank you for listening to Eagle's Eye View. I enjoy bringing you a cardiovascular update from acc.org. You can find these articles and journal scans on the website. Also, you'll find new educational materials on the uh, website in a catalog featured under the Education and Meetings tab. Find us online or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.